welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me from his car, a man you know on Twitter is Footy Rhino. Welcome to the show, Ryan. G'day, Pete. Yes, I'm, I'm in my car. We've, we've managed to squeeze this podcast in. I'm driving back from Williston in WA for any West Australian uh, listeners because Caleb Sarong and Michael Frederick were uh, just out there doing a school appearance. So, you know, fresh information from um, Caleb Sarong, one of the, the very interesting prospects this year, I would have thought, in, in every single format, uh, drafts, keepers, salaries. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be worth a look. Excellent. And West Coast and Fremantle had a fixture change in the Amy series. Yeah, I, this sort of started brewing about a week ago um, where look, they're obviously playing each other this weekend in a scratch match, which the two clubs are organised behind closed doors. Um, still fairly official. There's umpires, there's squads and there's all that sort of stuff. But um, they really uh, were going to be under the pump to have teams coming in from other states, going uh, flying to other states in some respects. So I think the AFL has just gone and hit the simple button and gone, right, well, why are we making people train, uh, travel unnecessarily? They can play their two games uh, in their home state. It lowers the risk of getting stuck somewhere. It lowers the amount of travel we're asking them to do. Um, the South Australian teams, for instance, in this case, having to come to WA uh, because you don't know what the season's going to hold. So um, if you talked to the two clubs about a month ago, which I did, they were both pretty keen to play two different opposition. Yep. But I think they're also very aware that common sense has to prevail. So now they will play um, each other two weeks in a row. The second one's a bit bigger. It's at Optus Stadium, about 35,000. And I know that sounds ridiculous for a pre-season game, but you've got to remember, like Victoria, WA was fairly starved of footy last year compared yep. to what it normally gets. So, And also there's the uncertainty of what the season's going to look like. So... If you were a uh, footy fan, you'd be taking your chance to go to a game when you can, and that is a chance next week. Excellent. Makes sense. Uh, we'll get straight into some football talk here. On to Fremantle first. Heath Chapman has been popping up in news recently. What will be his specific role, and what are his chances of playing in Round 1? Yeah, look, if you know, asked me three weeks ago, I would have said, oh, look, he's probably not one for Round 1 or the early parts of the season because... Just because of Fremantle's defensive stocks, they've got a lot of guys back there. We obviously know Luke Ryan's a fantastic player, um, and there's you know a handful of guys coming back. Joel Hamling is a premiership fullback. Alex Pearce is their vice-captain and a very, very good defender when he's up and running. Neither of those guys played a minute last season, um, and so having those two healthy, which is what they are at the moment, um, it really crowds that back line all of a sudden. You've got Griffin Logue, who had some good moments last year and really finally showed something special for Fremantle. Um, he plays in a, in, a, in a sort of medium to tall defender role, um, so he's there as well. Uh, you've got a lot of players, Hayden Young, who we all fell in love with because of you know how well he can kick that footy. So there's a lot of guys back there, but then the intra-club came and he was a genuine standout, and not just in the way... That, you know, a lot of us fantasy-minded people can watch these games and try to pick out what we want. There was genuine times in that game where he looked like a guy who would play probably closer to sort of 75, 80 games of footy. There was about 150 people in the crowd there, all Frio fans, but there was at least three moments I remember where 
he did something that made everybody in the crowd just go, whoa, like, this kid has got something. He has a lot of time when he's got the footy. He's really good on chasing men down. Uh, he can intercept Mark, which he did on a couple of occasions, and, and not just like the cheapies. These were serious contestants, intercept Marks. What they're getting there is a player that isn't a, your typical key position player. He's a little bit smaller than that. I would say, and I, I, someone laughed at me when I said this comparison yesterday to, to, to one of my mates who asked about it. Imagine if Ethan Hughes was way better. Um, he's that same size. He's uh, very, very good at, at keeping on his man, but he can also use the footy pretty well, and he's a great intercept mark. And that's the role as well that I could see him typically stealing. Ethan Hughes played a lot of footy last year. Yep. Justin Longmuir trusted him, put him in that spot. He's one of those guys that goes under the radar. But when I did their best 22 this morning, because I knew I was going to do this podcast, I thought, geez, I want to have a look. And I had Hughes in that spot, but I have Chapman in brackets right next to it. And if he comes out this Saturday and next Sunday and plays really well, I would not be surprised to see him there in round one. When they picked him, I was sure that it was a great pick. I didn't quite think he'd be this soon, but he has done nothing wrong. Sean Darcy has had an injury interrupted pre-season. What is the latest on him? And if he were to miss round one, would Roy Lobb uh, move straight into the number one ruck role? Yeah, Darcy's, um, we know his history. He gets a lot of soft tissue stuff. He has issues with banging knees from time to time. He's, he's not, at this point in his career, a physical specimen. He's sort of like that early Shane Mumford carries a little bit extra weight, still trying to sort of come into his body. He's a big boy. Um, he's probably not going to play any pre-season games. In fact, he almost certainly won't. Um, will that mean he doesn't play round one? I'm not sure. Um, they're adamant it's not serious. Let's say he is there round one. It would be him and then likely Rory Lobb selling to him a chop out, um, unless Brennan Cox is in the team and then it might be Brennan Cox doing some of that. Um, if he's not there... Um, the most likely scenario is that it's some combination of a lob and Cox. Yep. Um, there's also the possibility that one of their two younger guys could also come into consideration. So Lloyd Meek, we know the name, he's been around for a while. When you're looking for a cheap ruck, he's always there. He's been on the list. Kind of like Flynn at GWS, who now has a great opportunity. Yep. Um, I'm not sure they would play Meek in round one as a, as a one-out ruckman. Um, there's some chance they play him and and look to use Lob as sort of the, the chop-out again. But I would think more than likely it's going to be a Lob-Brennan-Cox situation. Okay. And then look at a guy called uh, uh, Josh Tracy, who I, they're calling Cyclone. I keep going to call him Cyclone. Yep. Um, he's been really strong in the preseason. Big body, recent draftee, but he's got the body of a man already. He's sort of a key position forward. Could pinch it in the rut. Kicked three goals last week. Um, they're really high on him. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the mix as well. Well, that's my next question, is Josh Treacy has done some nice things in the preseason. How close will he be, yeah. to, be to be playing regular footy this season? So maybe early in the season, but yeah. how, how often can we see him, do you think? Uh, look, it really depends. And like With a guy like him, I think he's going to... Because he's ready physically, um, that's always a huge advantage. So they've got Matt Tabernar, who has been a little bit banged up, but he's supposed to be playing in the second pre-season derby, so next week. Uh, they reckon he'll play some minutes there. And obviously Rory Lobb, they're the two main key positions forwards. But there's no Jesse Hogan anymore. He's obviously at GWS. There's no one really coming in to take that position. 
yes, Nat Fife might spend some more time forward, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, but Tracy could absolutely be there round one. And when you throw in the ruck scouts, uh, and he can pitch in, I, I almost would say it's more likely than unlikely now that he's a round one guy. Mm. Um, obviously, these two season games are going to be pretty significant if he can stand up and, and really take a role by the scruff of the neck. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's, it's only just, but I would say it's like a 55-45 split on being more likely than not um, that he's there round one. How is Nathan O'Driscoll travelling? Yeah, had some shoulder stuff uh, in the pre-season. They're really excited about him. He's huge. He's one of those midfielders when you meet him, you're like, holy crap, this kid, you know, 15 years ago would have been a centre-half forward. Like, he's a big dude. Um, but he's a really nice kid, really uh, really strong character. They love him. He's very skillful. I, I would imagine that if we do see him, it won't be until probably the second half of the season. As I said, he's got that shoulder issue that he's been nursing. Um and you've got to remember, it also depends on what we're going to see in terms of are these guys going to be playing some waffle footy? Are they going to be able to get some continuity in the, in the reserves? Mm. Um, or is it going to be like last year when they're playing these sort of 12-on-12 scratch matches? So he'll, he'll need a bit of a run at it, um, but he could be a downgrade target second half of the year. And if you're in a keeper league or something like that, he's one to sort of keep on the back end of your radar because he can play. Will Hayden Young be playing those loose intercept and quarterback type role in defence? Yeah, yes and no. I think Luke Ryan's the obvious one that's going to be playing a pretty significant role. I'm red hot on Luke Ryan, by the way. I think we're looking at serious numbers for him yep. uh, in 2021. Like on the weekend, last weekend when that intra club, Hayden Young was playing, taking the kickouts for the sort of the B team, although Frio weren't necessarily a strictly A and B team, but he was in, definitely in the weaker team. He was taking the kickouts, and then the stronger team, Luke Ryan, was taking the kickouts. So I think you wouldn't see too many other players touching the ball in that square um, for the rest of the year. Those two guys are both really good users, good decision makers. Um, so that's a really good sign for Hayden. Um, he'll play as many games as he's fit for. He's fit right now. So if he can stay fit, I reckon they'll try to get you know a minimum of 15 games to him. Um, obviously a fantastic kick of the footy. I, I, I would lower my expectations slightly um, because while he's a great user of the footy, we haven't really seen his ability to rack it up as yep. such. But if could he average 73, 74, 75 with a ceiling of 80? It's possible. It's absolutely possible. But I, I would be banking on him to average about, say, low 70s, I would say. It would be a pretty um, pretty fair assessment. And if he, you know, he could surprise and go higher, but... Um, yeah, I think that's about right. Is Caleb Sarong likely to be used solely as an inside mid this year? I just asked him that, Pete. Um, Perfect. He is. So he said he's been trained as an inside mid. Um, he, the, the little sort of midfield trio they've got there of Chera, Brayshaw, Sarong, that's the future of that football club. They're really close mates, all three of them. They, he literally just said that they've been looking forward to a really long time of those three guys being in the centre bounce attendance uh, numbers high up. They've been really pumped about it. They're, mm. they're, they're thick as these. And I think that's going to be important because the chemistry is going to be really good. I walked away from that intra-club game and I put Caleb Sarong straight into my classic team. Yep. Um, he's a really special player. And I think from a fantasy perspective, he's a natural. He just collects it. He tackles hard. 
Um, he gets a lot of one-twos. Um, he's not going to get you a ton of marks, but he makes up that um, with just sheer volume of touches. Um, he's got calves like he would the lead. They're monstrous. I was just looking at it just then. And I tend to I like the guys with stocky legs um, from the inside mids. So they're very hard to take down. So uh, I'm very high on Caleb Sarong. Um, this year, as I said, he's in my classic team, and now he's in there, I can't seem to take him out. With that defence being stacked at Fremantle, does that push Adam Chera more into that midfield role this season? Oh, yeah. Chera's, Chera will never step back into the back line or forward line on a permanent basis. He may drift there, you know, as some sort of like a half-flanker at time to time if the ball's down there a lot. But he's a midfielder. They know what they've got in Adam Chera. He had a slower start than... Brayshaw and, and what Sarong's been able to produce but they know what they've got and they know it's special it's a contract year for him mm. he hasn't re-signed yet um, he's obviously going to be high up on a lot of Victorian clubs radars he's going to want to play really good footy this year Fremantle are going to want to make him feel part of the team uh, I'm expecting a pretty big year from Chera as well I, I'm really quite bullish on Fremantle's fantasy prospects this year compared to other years I just think that they've got enough guys who are right on the precipice of, um, of greatness, and whether it's this year or next, it's going to happen. And as you know, you kind of want to be... You'd rather be a year early than a year late, I think, in some of these yep. scenarios, and I think that's the case with the Chera this year, or Brayshaw, or Sarong. They're still going to cost you a bit, but I reckon there's a pretty significant payoff coming. How close is Luke Valenti at round one? Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be there round one. He didn't play in last... Uh, week's intra club. He's got uh, Corky in his glute. Yep. Uh, he was off to the side doing rope work. They were pretty pumped over the over the pre-season. I think they were finally thinking that he might actually get out there. He's starting to develop, um, unfortunately, become one of those guys who we wonder if he'll ever get a clean run of it. He's had a pretty rotten run of injuries. Uh, I don't think he'll be there in that first couple of games. And as we know, once that first 22 is set, you've got to try to find a way to break in. Um, Will we see him this year? Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's, he's a talent. Um, it's just that body that seems to always have a hiccup. So, hopefully this cork is sorted and we see him maybe next Sunday um, in the second derby. Because we really need to see something from Luke Valenti. We just haven't had enough actual football being played. We know he's got the pedigree, but we need to see it. On to West Coast. What is the latest on Elliot Yo? Yeah, oh. I'm a bit concerned. Um, been a lot of training at West Coast. It's been a very slow ramp for Elliot. He's still just doing laps. Um, looks a bit frustrated. Doesn't look in peak condition. Uh, it's a slow, slow grind. Um, you know, and he's a power player. And obviously, it's a groin issue, and it's it's been hanging around for a while now, more than a year. Um, so, look, I wouldn't be going anywhere near him in salary cap formats. Um, in draft formats, I'd be concerned about taking him unless it was at a serious, serious discount. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a keeper league, I'd be preparing to, you know, stash him to the side pretty much for the most of the year. I, you know, West Coast is still very optimistic when you talk to them about getting him out there, but I mean, the, what you're seeing with your eyes doesn't lie, Pete. Um, yep. And it's, it looks like it's a way off. Uh, now, what that means for West Coast, I'm sure you're going to ask me next. Yes. In terms of role changes, right? Yes. Well, is it Liam Duggan? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, now, Duggan's interesting because it's not just a simple Elliot Yo out, Liam Duggan in. Late last year, Duggan uh, jumped into the equation. I think from memory in his last five, he averaged something like 97 um, with an adjusted score. 
uh, and his last 10, I think maybe it was 92, he, he did spend the first half of the year as a pure defender, and he was pretty solid back there. Mm-hmm. But then you put him into that mid mix, and he jumps that sort of 10, 15 points yep. um, almost immediately. Um, I expect him to play predominantly as a midfielder. Um, will there be times that he goes back? Yeah, maybe in a game if something happens to Brad Shepard or a Tom Cole or one of their sort of more lockdown guys, he might need to go back there at some point. But the key thing for West Coast is if you try to ask who's West Coast's best young midfield prospect under the age of, say, 24, yep. there isn't one. Okay. There actually isn't one. Xavier O'Neill, they still hope uh, that he can become something. He was a pick in the early 20s, I think. Um, then it's down to guys like you know, Luke Foley, Zane True, guys that, uh, you know, uh, maybe one day might be something, but they're not high-end prospects. Now, Duggan was drafted as a midfielder, went back because of necessity, um, you know, learned his craft back there. He's still 24. My feeling is that West Coast are realising that there's a big gap in their midfield development on their list. So Duggan is not just a, can we plug the earlier yo gap? Future. He's also a do we need this guy because we need to build a midfield for the future that, you know, when Luke Shuey and, um, you know, Andrew Gaff and, and these other guys are sort of moving towards the end of their careers, and Shuey's not far off that, who's coming through? Yep. Um, and so Duggan, and I think he's going to be that guy. So I, I'm pretty bullish on Duggan. I've got him in a keeper league. I've got him in my salary cap. Um, I'm expecting an average of somewhere around the mid-90s, mm. uh, maybe even a tad higher. So that, that's pretty promising, I would have thought. So, Liam Duggan sort of leads into my next question. The arrival of Alex Witherden, is he going to be the main outlet yeah. guy for the Eagles this season? Out of defence? I think so, yeah. yeah. We saw the Eagles drift away from Shannon Hearn last year and use uh, Duggan and, and Brad Shepard a lot more in those roles. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Witherden has a heavy usage when he plays. Is he best 22? Yeah. Yeah, he is. But West Coast have a lot of defenders yep. and a lot of good ones. Um, now, Duggan comes out of that for now, probably, hopefully, permanently. But you've also got a guy like Josh Rotham who has really impressed in the games that he's played. Um, you've got a guy like Harry Edwards who's a bit more key position, but they, they really are pretty high on what this guy can become. There's a lot of, hey, could this guy be, you know, in that sort of Jeremy McGovern style ilk? He reads the ball pretty damn well. Um, he might be a year or two off, but they like him. And then there's a guy like Jackson Nelson who's taken a really long time to, to be relevant, but he is sort of a player now. He's, he's probably in their best 22. So where does Witherden fit? Um, as I said, I reckon he's in their first 22, but if he's not playing well, I don't think he's an absolute lock. And that's the only thing that stops me from picking him in a classic mm-hmm. or a draft, um, is that concern. Now, saying that, we know when he plays, he scores, and the role that he's had at training and the role that he's had in the intra-club is really strong. Um, high ball usage, off half-back, a yep. little bit on the wing. Um, so the role's good, and we know he scores when he plays. Um, so I, I fully expect him to be there round one, but I'm never 100% confident um, when, I'm not, when I just haven't seen it, and, I, and we haven't seen him in that team yet. I guess the next two weeks are going to be a telling story for Witherden. Yeah, he's probably the number one. Like, if you're talking about West Coast, I, I know what Duggan's going to do. You're going to see it on, you know, if you watch the feed on Saturday, you're going to see it. And if you watch it on Sunday week, um, on, on I think it'll be on Fox, I guess, um, you're going to see his role. I already know what's going to happen there. 
and I'm pretty sure you're going to see what I think with Witherden, which is at half-back, but he's the main watch for West Coast, and, and it's daylight, really, for second, and I think... How close is Luke Edwards to an early season debut? Uh, yeah, if you, I think if you were saying you need to put your house on um, one of those Eagles draftees to, to debut this year, it's Edwards probably ahead of True. Um, they were pretty high on True in the early going of the preseason, but you know he was pretty quiet in that intra club. Edwards was pretty solid. Um, he's got a big body. He's a lot bigger than Tyson, his dad. Um, so, yeah, I've been pretty impressed. He's he kind of drawn to him when you watch training. You're like, who's that bloke? Like, I found myself in the first couple of sessions that he was at, kept looking it up, trying to figure out who this sort of big-bodied, um, nicely moving midfielder was. And it was Luke Edwards every time. Very good. So there's something there. They found not something there. But I wouldn't expect West Coast to be blooding many debutants this year. I think they're more than likely going to want to get games into, like a Xavier O'Neill type. Um who, as I said, picking the early 20s. They, they got some glimpses yesterday, but not quite enough. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's probably more the O'Neill types. What is the latest on Nick, Nate Nui, and who is likely to be the number two option early in the season? Oscar Allen, Bailey Williams, or Nathan Vardy? So with, that's with or without uh, Nate Nui. Yeah, well, it depends. They're, they're very different questions. So if Nick Nat's playing and he's healthy, and by the way, this hamstring, I'm reliably told um, that it's nothing and he's yep. sweet and he should be there next week. Um, you don't necessarily need to put the Ferrari out there for all the preseason. season yep. um, So I think they're just being a bit cautious, a little bit of soreness. Um, he'll be fine. If he's playing, uh, I think it's, you know, Oscar Allen is the, is the pinch-hitting ruckman. Um, it worked well for them last year. They need to play Oscar Allen. Um, if Kennedy and Darling are playing, you can't have too many tools in the team. So I think that's how it looks. Um, if Kennedy or Darling got hurt, I would assume that Allen would then fall into those key position spots. Yep. And I reckon Bailey Williams would get the time. They do like him. Mm-hmm. Um, Vardy is the one that if Nick Nat's not playing, then no, Vardy no. gets his go. Okay. I don't think there's a scenario where they play them both yep. when you're playing Vardy and Nat Nui together. Um, so it's either or. Um, and then in that case, you know, if it is Vardy rucking, um, it's either with Allen or Williams. So, yeah, that, that's basically how their ruck situation will play out. Definitely plenty of variables right there. Okay, on to the final question. How close will Jermaine Jones be at round one? I think he's in the round one team. I, I, they need small forwards. Since that Willie Rioli absence um, has left them a massive hole there, him and Liam Ryan work together so well. I love that dynamic. Yep. Um, him being out really cost them um, basically all of their X factor and their energy is gone from that forward line. They've been crying out for someone. Jones played, I think, two or three games last year, and he looked really good. He kind of was uh, provided, not as good as Rioli, but he provided something. Um, and I think they liked what they saw. He's been really good in the preseason. Um, he lives with Tim Kelly, which is, uh, I don't know if that matters, but... Sometimes it does when they're around that sort of elite talent. It tends to rub off. Mm. Um, they train well, obviously. Uh, yeah, as I said, he, for me, he's ahead of Zach Langdon and, and probably even ahead of Petricelli, who's a bit banged up at the moment. Yep. Um, but I'd be f- very surprised at this point if Jones isn't in that spot in round one. Excellent. Ryan, thanks for coming on as a guest this week. Can you let the listeners know where to find you? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, if you're in WA, um, 7 News, 
um, nightly. Um, if you can get the West Australian, I write a column each week uh, on Saturdays. I'm picking that up again, hopefully this weekend, if I can come up with a decent idea to write about. Yeah. Um, Twitter, you, you know, you probably already know, um, Footy Rhino. Um, and the Hardball Gets podcast, it should be starting next week as well. So, yeah, a bit going on this year. should be an exciting year, but, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's bring on the chaos, eh? Absolutely. That's it for episode 63. Thanks for tuning in. And, Ryan, once again, thank you. Thanks, Pete.